Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Jesus speaking and giving a radical message to his people, to his followers, an important message, one that would um, be read throughout the years until Jesus comes and we'll probably still be learning nuances of it before his throne in heaven. Won't it be a wonderful day to hear Jesus preaching and teaching us all the things that he tried to communicate to us here on earth. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Let's see it there. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and, and taught them, saying, let's read verse 3 together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now our verse this morning is, blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. But we're going to read on so we continue to hear the Beatitudes that Jesus gave. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You and I don't need to wait till the Sunday we speak on that to be hungry. I hope you're hungry this morning. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy blessed are the poor in, or the pure in heart for they shall see god blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of god blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And let's read verse number four once again together out loud. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray this morning. And I wonder, Brother Mike, if you would just open us up and ask God's blessing on our time in the Word. Amen. You may be seated. Happy are the unhappy. That's what you wanted to hear when you came to church today. Happy are the unhappy. Blessed are they that mourn. What a paradox. What a difficult thing to understand. Why is Jesus telling you and me that it is blessed to be mournful? It's blessed to be unhappy. He does... Does Jesus want us to go through our lives as his followers consistently sad, just uh, constantly in a, a gloom, just down and, 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 and kind of sour? Does he want us to be mournful in the way like we've just been to a funeral and that's the way that we carry on through our lives? Does God delight in our tears? Does he delight in us just being sad? What is this blessed are they that 
mourn? Uh, what about the joy that the Holy Spirit is to give? The love, joy, peace, and, and long-suffering. What, is this, what about the joy that He is supposed to evidence in our lives? And as we come to this beatitude, these are attitudes that Jesus is giving to us that he desires to be a part of his followers during this time when he has set up his kingdom in our hearts. He, he desires the Beatitudes to be a sort of constitution for the coming kingdom, but now that kingdom is being uh, set up in hearts of men as they respond to him, they call upon his name, and they accept him by faith. That kingdom is alive and well in, in our hearts, and he says, this is how I want my kingdom to be in your hearts. This is the one... The, uh, the, the attitude I want of the citizens of heaven, blessed are they that mourn. We have to ask, what is, this, what is this mourning? What is Jesus exactly talking about? What is he talking about when he says, blessed are they that mourn? Culturally, in that, in that time, there was certainly a reality of mourners. There were actual professional mourners that that you could call in, you could ring up out of the yellow pages and call in to come in and mourn at your uh, at a funeral of a family member and you even see that Jesus walked into a situation in, in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 23 and when Jesus came to the ruler's house he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise he's talking there about professional mourners and and he begins to say I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this situation they mocked him and so on but he walked into a situation where there were professional mourners they they could turn it on and they could turn it off they could turn on the tears and they could turn on the wailing and they could turn on the mournful sounds and they could turn it back off. What is the mourning that Jesus is talking about? Is he talking about we come into a service and, and we turn on the tears and we turn off the tears? Have you ever met a person that can do that? They can turn it on really, really quick, but it's not very, very genuine. You know what I'm talking about? Is Jesus talking about those, that type of mourning uh, where, where it is something that we just kind of work up and we get ourselves into a, a, a frame of mind where we're, we're tearful and we're mourning before him? He says here, blessed are they that mourn. Now think about it. In that day as well, it would not have been thought to be a blessed thing for people to mourn, especially among the Pharisees. They, they wanted everything put together. They were proud and arrogant. They didn't want to stoop to anything. We saw that in, in the book of Luke where the, the Pharisee was praying and the publican was praying like we talked about last week. They didn't stoop. They didn't mourn over anything. They were proud and boastful and arrogant. They did not want, uh, they did not want to mourn. Blessing was not equated with mourning. Uh, mourning was something that happened when there was loss, and, and it wasn't a sign of the blessing of God. It's similar to our day. What does the religious community always keep our eyes focused on? If you're blessed of God, you're going to be happy all the time. Every day of Friday. You seen that book title? Every day of Friday. Listen, Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. Now what is he talking about in this, this idea of mourning? This idea of, of being sad. Now, we all, if I went around and asked each one of you what's the definition of mourning, we'd probably nail it right on the head. It's being sad. And there's, a, there's a sadness of heart. But it's more than just that. It is the actual expression, the outward expression of sadness that's going on in the heart. It's an outward expression of, of brokenness. This word is equated or is also referenced as loud wailing. 
So very true that there were mourners, professional mourners, that, that lived up to the definition of this word, but Jesus is not asking us to become professional mourners. He's not asking us to become professional churchgoers that, that, that turn on a sadness or a, a certain voice when we come into a, uh, into a, into a church service or uh, talking with our Christian friends. He's not asking for that. He is saying, I do want you to will, willingly choose to mourn. We'll see about what. But he says, I want you to express this. This mourning would be expressed through tears, through, through expressions of sadness and grief. It is the strongest term in the Greek language for mourning. Loud wailing. Jesus said, blessed are they that, that mourn. Really, mourning is grief manifested. It's where there's been grief on the inside and it comes out. It's to weep audibly. It's, it's to be physically, physically uh, enter into the grief that is in our hearts. One man said, mourning is when you take the grief you have on the inside and express it on the outside. James 4 and verse number 9 tells us to mourn and to weep. Those those concepts are together in this. And so Jesus says, blessed are they that mourn. We already understand the Pharisees that would have been against their mentality. No, we want to be, we want to be happy and proud. Never shed a tear. Blessed are they that mourn. Peer pressure and our cultural pressure tells us if you're going to be blessed of God, you'll not go through an unhappy day. You'll not need to mourn. Puff out your chest and keep going. God gives great and rich and wonderful blessings and always puts a smile on your face. Listen, there are church houses full of people that are listening and following after, after that type of teaching. You always have a good day. And God is only interested about making you have a great and good and happy, abundant life. Jesus says here, he says here, blessed are they that mourn. One podcaster, you say, Pastor, I don't know what a podcaster is. It's simply someone that records a message and then puts it out on the internet for someone else to hear, okay? So one podcaster uh, kind of got interested as a cultural study. They got interested and they tweeted out uh, on Twitter, that's social media, and tweeted this out and said, hey, listen, w uh, is there anyone out there that would be willing to share the backstory behind some of the pictures that you've posted uh, when you've posted it like a, a happy picture? Would you share the backstory? Well, she was quite surprised when people started telling the real story behind. A couple taking a picture at a, at a, at a wedding they were attending well, it didn't show the fact that they were just fighting right before they took the picture, yet they're smiling on camera. Uh, the, the, the young lady who took a picture of her on a hike, but she said she was struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. But out here, it's all good. We live in a day where sadness and mourning is all masked. Even you and I you think, well, I don't want to let anyone know that I'm sad or I, I, I'm down about anything. I don't want anyone to know that I'm, I'm struggling with some, with some grief about something I, I did against my God this week. I don't want anyone to know about that. I'm just going to come in and everything's going to be happy, 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 happy. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn we live in a society that is constantly masking we don't want to see the morning there are people who are depressed 
but they are constantly putting forth. This is what I, I'm going to put forth a different image constantly. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, those that take the grief, and they allow it to come on the outside. Friends, sometimes it's okay for you and I to mourn a little bit, to be, to be sad. Hey, uh, how are you doing today? Actually, I'm not doing very well. Could use some prayer. Could we step aside and pray? Blessed are they that mourn. What is this mourning? It is, it is grief that is on the inside and we allow it to come out. Well, I'll never cry in public. Jesus doesn't, didn't model that for us. Jesus wept often. What a strange thing that we have going on in our day. And it's probably not just our day. But friends, Jesus said, blessed are they that, that mourn. Humanly, we revolt against mourning. I don't want to mourn. I, I, I want to always be in that happy state. Why do we call Mondays Mondays? Like, we revolt against Monday because everything seems to fall apart on Monday. We revolt. We want everything to be happy. We're constantly living for the weekend when we get some time off where we can be happy. Our focus is constantly there, yet Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. So is Jesus asking us just to turn on tears and then we, we suddenly have some sort of blessing? And, and that's not really the idea, but he says, blessed are they that, that mourn. So how would that be manifested in your life? How can you practically live out this, this mourning, taking grief on the inside and manifesting it on the outside without making it a show? Notice how grief or mourning is manifested. The concepts here, and we can't miss this. Look back at your Bibles with me. Verse number three and verse number four. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Last week we learned that Jesus desires this inward quality in our lives of humility and surrender, a poorness in spirit, a desperation of spirit, a realization without me ye can do nothing. So where that's not just a scripture verse we read, but it's a reality we believe. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those concepts of, of, of poorness, humility, and, and surrender in verse number three are linked together with verse number two. Blessed are they that mourn. In fact, the mourning stems out of our humility, our knowledge that before God we have great and desperate need. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh, is what Paul said. This mourning is to come from the humility of heart. It's a paired concept. How is this manifested? Isaiah 57 and verse number 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. Mm. I dwell in a high and holy place, separate from sin. He's not even near sin. He's never thought a wrong thought. He's never, he's never double-crossed someone. He's never cheated. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Notice those two thoughts together. A contrite, that mournful and humble spirit together to revive the spirit of the humble or the poor in spirit and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, the, the broken mourning heart. So here Jesus, God says to Isaiah, listen, that's the person I dwell with. 
That's a person I get near to. That's a person I want to be with. And he says, I want to be with that person. I dwell in the high and holy place, and it's that person that I dwell with. Mourning is brokenness manifested in an audible weeping. Brokenness. I really want us to catch a hold of that word, brokenness. Can you remember a time where your state, your attitude, your actions that were contrary to God's word brought you to a place of brokenness like Paul? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh? I just don't seem to get over this. This sin just keeps reappearing in my life. I keep saying yes even though I want to say no. Can you remember a time where you came to a place of brokenness or mourning over such a, such a sin to, to be so grieved at your sinfulness before a holy God who dwells in a high and holy place that you, you said, God, I, I just don't know what to do, and it brought you to a place of even tears. God, I just want to be free from this. I, I want to have the victory over this. I, I want to be done. I want to do what you've said to do. The, the good that I, I want to do, I don't do. And the, the evil that I don't want to do, I do. And oh, wretched man that I am. Can you remember a time where you were broken in that way? God says it's that person he gets close to. But the manifestation of mourning is a brokenness. It's a brokenness. I've tried a thousand times. I've asked God a, a thousand times to forgive me for this. And I just can't get beyond it. Brokenness. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning indicates that you and I are at the end of our human resources. We're at the, the end of our ability. We are at a, a point of desperation. We can't do it. I've tried and I've failed so many times I can't even count. Do you know what I'm talking about? What a difficult place to be. Are you there right now? See, we, we, we have this so wrong. We come into assemblies like this, and not that we err and throw out our dirty laundry, but we, we feel like we've got to pull ourselves together, come into an assembly like this, and I have it all put together. Jesus no. True happiness comes to those that mourn. To those that realize their brokenness before him. What would it do to our assemblies if we just got honest? If we were just real about our own human brokenness, our desperate need before God. I tried and I failed this week. I need God. I'm not all put together. I, I need God. I, I need His work in my life. It's a, it's a getting honest is what it is. It's one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It's another thing to grieve and mourn over it. Confession is one thing. Contrition is another thing, one man said. Confession, yeah, I, I have problems, but being broken about it is a whole other thing. 
And sometimes I think we're right at that point. We, are, we confess it, we acknowledge, oh yeah, I got a problem, but we never get broken about it. It never crushes us. It never crushes us because I don't think we realize how very holy our Heavenly Father is. And so, well, it's a big deal. I'll move on. We've got to go on with our Monday schedule. Got to go on with the rest of the day. Got to get my nap. Got to get to lunch. Gotta... And we don't really get to a place of mourning over it. We have put off God and the Holy Spirit so many times about that one area that we're used to being able to, I'll get through the pressure and I'll never really break under the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and get contrite, broken, mourn over it. What has God been working in your heart over and over about through revival and through different services? And uh, I gotta, I'll hold on. I'll hold on. But I don't break. White knuckling it through your Christian life isn't the answer. There's no growth there, friend. There's no blessing there. There's no comfort there. And you're, you can testify of, to that reality in your own life. You don't find blessing holding out on God. You don't find blessing holding on to that, to that thing and saying, well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll get beyond this. I just don't want to break down. I just don't want to really admit I cannot do this. There ought to be mourning like Jesus over public sin. This is probably easier for us to do as we look around. We all know the Bible enough to know what's sin and what's not. Look around us. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse number 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace but are now hid from your eyes, Jesus wept over cities because of their rejection of him. Which, by the way, Revelation 21.8, but the fearful and the unbelieving, along with a, a long list of other sins, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The greatest sin is not to believe on Jesus Christ, is to reject his name. And he says, to this city, I, I wept over you because I saw your unbelief. You rejected my message over and over again. The Bible says in Joel, through the prophet Joel, gird yourselves and lament ye priests. Howl, ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering and the drink offering is withheld from the house of your God. God called his people to mourn over their sin and over their public sin as a nation rejecting God. Joel 2 and verse 17, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage reproach that the heathen should roll over them. Wherefore should they say among thy people, where is their God? Come and mourn. Get right into the house of God between the, the altar and the porch and mourn before me. We live in a nation that is full of wickedness and it seems that we as God's people have become like Lot and we have just gotten used to it. Oh, it vexes our soul. As the Bible said it did of Lot. Oh, I hate this. We might say in our hearts, can't believe that's going on. 
we might say. And we, we look around us and we see the, the rise of sodomy and we see the rise of murder and we see the rise of hate and division and all these things and we're vexed in our heart, but we don't mourn. It's their sin, it's not ours. It's their problem, not ours. We don't do those, those um, commit those particular sins. And, and, and David said this in Psalm 119 and verse 136, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. He literally says, as, he, as a king, he, he looks at all the, the sin that's going on and he says, it brings me to a place of mourning, of tears, where grief isn't just on my, in my heart, it's coming out through my tear ducts. I'm literally crying because I see all around me they keep not their, on thy law. Listen, we have much reason to mourn in our, in our country. Much reason. Somehow we have gotten the concept that I thank God for his blessings and I thank God for his provisions, but we have gotten the blessing that we've been okay. But when you stack even against some of the worst dictators of past history, our country has murdered more people than Hitler and Stalin combined. But we have made it sound nice. But in the eyes of God, it is still murder. And there's a lot of cultural things that go along with that. And I understand there's a lot of cultural issues that go along with that. What do you do with all the unwanted pregnancies? What do you, what do, you do in helping these, um, these people? By the way, getting backing up, we have another sin that goes on in our country. It's a sin of fornication and adultery. That's what's led to this. One sin leading to another. And so we have a, a sexualized culture that is just consumed with it and we have this problem that it we're trying to um, cover one sin with another sin and how wicked it is one of the reasons i'll not stop speaking to this is because it is a sin that continues and friends you say well roe versus wade was overturned do you realize because of deceit in our state among people that we might ally with because of deceit we stand in the position in our state to have abortion codified in a worse position than we were before because some people were very deceitful friends you listen the on god's people must in this day stand up and begin mourning about the sin that is all around us wickedness absolute wickedness Sixty-four million unborn babies slaughtered. I thank God for the one silver lining that I believe, according to Scripture, these little ones are in heaven. I think last week we had another shooting. Why is it that our, our world gets so stirred up when there's a, there's a shooting? Now, I... The shootings are wrong and they're wicked and they're, they're awful. But this one that happened up in, in Michigan once again and it gets all, all the headlines, but no one's headlining the fact that there's murders happening in many of our cities, including our own, and still happening a mile and a half from here. We have become a murderous nation. 
and we dwell in the middle of that. As much as sodomy was the problem of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot got comfortable there and was okay with it and even was willing to give his children over into it, like literally that night, oh, you take my daughters, I'll keep the guests. How perverted and wicked. He was willing to give up his, his children to that culture. You watch, the more comfortable we get with the culture around us and the refusal. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. It's an active idea. It's a choice. It's not something, oh, well, I'll wait till it just comes upon me. No, it is a choice to mourn. It's a choice to look at these things and say, God, would you give me my tears again for what's going on around me? I mourn for the sin that is all around me. That is exactly, exactly what Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6. He mourned. He mourned for the sin that was all around him. Daniel mourned for the sin, uh, sinfulness of his own people. He mourned. On February 5th of this year, I don't think any of you and don't think that I are following the Grammys. I could care less what happens at the Grammys. But friends, culturally, you and I need to be aware Satan has stepped outside of from behind closed doors and in closets and in meeting houses and he stepped right onto the stage of our national TV. No longer is he hiding what he's trying to do. And when they talk about the show that happened there as gloriously unholy and the world is still looking on and they're saying, but America is the Christian nation and, and they have in their mind that somehow Christianity and wickedness like this somehow jives together. Oh, how we must mourn. Literally satanic rituals happening on TV screens across our country in the name of entertainment. And it's not entertainment. Satan means business. He means absolute business. He isn't fooling around. He is doing this, and he's been working on this. Well, Christians have been happy about entertainment. Hollywood's okay. Disney's okay. All these things are okay, and we just continue to bob along with all this until they finally show their true colors which happens to be very, very red and literally putting a man in a Satan suit. By the way, Satan doesn't have horns and a pitchfork. Yeah, he dresses up really nice. But do you know what they, they just put it right out there. They don't even mask it. They call it unholy. They literally are shaking their hand in the face of God our nation. This is our entertainment. These are the people putting together the entertainment that we allow into our homes. Wicked and rightfully called unholy. We ought to mourn. God, give us back our tears again. Let's not be like Lot that just shakes our head and just continues on. Give us back our tears again. But it's a little easier to look at that and say, oh man, I'll cry over that. A little bit harder to cry over our personal sin. 
Because friends, all this is is just sin that just continues to to reproduce and reproduce and continue to go on without any fetters, without any restriction. Mourning over public sin, Jesus modeled that for us, but mourning over our private sin, thank God he didn't have to model that for us because he's perfect in every way. But he calls us to mourn. James 4 and verse number 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Praise the Lord, that sounds really good. How does that happen? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Well, how does that happen? Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Allow the affliction of God's conviction to bring you to a place of mourning and, yes, even weeping. Well, I don't want to be emotional. I don't want to get into all that. God created your emotions. You know that? And he is the one that's telling us to weep. We have gotten way too comfortable with dry eyes. I don't want to humble myself in that way. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble, here again, the paired concept. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and the Lord, in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Are you familiar with David Brainerd? Some of you, well, maybe 10%. You need to read about David Brainerd. Died at the age of 29, right? He was going to the American Indians, okay? And uh, he died of health issues. Incredibly intense young man. Uh, there's, there's some videos talking about quality entertainment or informational entertainment. There's some well done Christian uh, videos on him. But he wrote in October 18th of 1740, he wrote, in my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness. You say, well, this must have been before he was saved. No. The reason that a guy like him was so used and made such an impact that we're still even talking about him, his short life, this many years later, is here's a man that knew what it was to get really honest with God about his own personal condition. He didn't take sin lightly. Bothered him. But it didn't just bother him, it brought grief to his heart. Didn't just bring grief. He says, I mourned. I mourned. I mourned. I bitterly mourned over it. It's easy to look around and look at what other people are, and I even, since right now, I hear a lot of Christians looking at, at what's happening at Asbury and, and, and saying, well, this isn't right and this isn't right. Do you know something? You and I need to grab a hold of something right now. There are some folks that are hungry for God, and there are folks that are mourning before God. Well, they don't, they don't this and they don't that mourning before God, getting right with one another. You know, God blesses that. D.L. Moody said this, right now I'm having so much trouble with D.L. Moody that I don't have time to find fault with other fellows. 
Well, we're good fault finders. We can tell who needs to mourn. But it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I say that about me. Even as I preach this to you this morning, my biggest, um, biggest concern is that I mourn over my needs. We've lost our tears. What happened to the Peter moments when he denied Christ and he went out and wept bitterly? He took a look at Christ, or Christ took a look at him, and he wept bitterly over that sin. You said, well, I've never denied Christ, but every single one of us have lived as followers in this world and shielded it. Oh, we didn't maybe curse and say, no, I'm not with him. But we've walked through our weeks trying to make sure no one found out that we were with him. Well, I don't want, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that radical. He wept bitterly. He mourned. He mourned after denying Christ. He mourned after being told of Christ, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. No, no, not me. Though all men, though all men forsake you, I will not forsake you. I will be the one that stands right with you. So Peter had to come to a place of brokenness. He had come face to face with the reality. Without Christ, he could do nothing. He mourned. He wept bitterly. It's not just briefly being disappointed, but it's brokenness about the sin around us and the sin most of all within us. One of the reasons I don't believe that Lot was in a place of mourning about the sin that was all around him is he had stopped mourning about the sin that was within him. Perhaps the greater reason that we become comfortable with the sin that is around us in America is we have not really truly dealt with the sin that's within us. We haven't dealt with mourning about our own sin before God. We haven't dealt with the fact that we've um, grieved the Holy Spirit of God. It was Isaiah that said, Woe is me, for I am undone. And then notice, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in a people, I'm in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he saw God for who he was, he saw himself for who he was, and he saw the country around him, his people Israel, for who they really were before a holy God. He mourned. Woe is me. I'm undone. I, I'm at the end of myself. I'm broken. I, I, I'm unloosed. I, I, I have no ability to go on without the help of God. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. Have we mourned? Have you mourned? Say, well, God worked in my heart during revival week. Have you come to a place where you're just broken before God about it? Or are we just going to get up and continue to go on with life as usual? I'll keep it together. I'll just keep it together. I'll keep fake it till I make it. I'll go to the grave with this. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. That mourn. I'm thankful that he gives a promise. Because if that's where the verse, the beatitude ended, many of you are like, you know what? The, the greater option is just kind of continue to fake it. Just keep on going on. 
No, he calls us to mourn because that's the place of comfort. That's the place of calm. Guaranteed right now, if you're wrestling with something between you and God, you're not at a place of calm. If you've not come to a place of brokenness about it, you're also not at a place of calm. You might be at a, 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 a point where you're trying to hide it from God. I don't want to talk about it. You might be at a point where you're trying to hide it from other people. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. It's not a place of comfort. It's not a place of calm. It's not a place of reassurance. Notice what he says here, for they shall be comforted. Where mourning is a choice that I make, comforting is not something that, that's not something I choose. Okay, I'm going to go to the store and buy some comfort today. No, this is something that God gives to you. Comfort comes from the comforter. Comfort comes from the comforter. And as long as we take a posture like this against God or, or like this against God or we, we kind of raise our, our head and, or, or we turn our back and we say, I'm just going to continue to go my own way, we will not have the comfort of the comforter. We'll not know his comfort. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse number 3, he is the God of all comfort. The Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, who will never disown you, says that he is the God of all comfort. Every Every and each piece of comfort comes from God who comforts us in all our tribulations and everything that squeezes us. And yes, even our own situations. Yes, even our own sinfulness. Yes, those besetting sins, those secret sins, those attitude sins, the sins of pride. He comforts us in all our distresses, in all our tribulation. The Bible says, in Luke 2 and verse 25, Simeon looked at Jesus and he waited for the consolation, the one that would consolate, give consolation to Israel. Jesus was the comforter of Israel. Not just Israel, to all nations. Through Israel, he would bring comfort to everyone. He was the consolation. When he saw, when Simeon saw Jesus, he said, now, Father, let thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, your comfort. The Father is the God of all comfort. Jesus is the consolation of Israel. The Bible says in John 14, verse 16, that when, when Jesus would depart, he would send another, he would give another comforter. Notice if, if he's going to give another comforter, he has to be a comforter as well. He gives another comforter, the person of the Holy Spirit, that would not just be with us, but he would be in us. God himself is the comforter. The Bible says in Acts 9 and verse 31 that the churches, after they had suffered much persecution, they, uh, the churches had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and they were edified, they were built up, and they were walking in the fear of the Lord. They were minding God. They were saying yes to God. The beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. The fear of the Lord is depart from sin. So here the church is, they're walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Right there we see the, the comforter coming in as people are honest with God. They're walking in his fear. The Holy Ghost is coming in and comforting. So comfort comes from the comforter. Your comfort that you need is not in your circumstances changing is not in you just resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit a little bit longer. It's not in removing yourself from the preaching of the Word 
that brings about the reminder of the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not in removing yourself from that. Uh, your comfort isn't found in, in occupying yourself and, and scrolling or, or losing yourself in entertainment. Your comfort is not found in just being around the right people or, or people that make you happy. Your comfort will only come from the comforter himself. And so the comforter offers this to us. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now we're all thinking, well, just consoled and, and so on. But there's a beautiful nuance to this word. And in reality, we understand it because this is, this is how we comfort one another. The word here is the idea to call near. To call near. Come here. What happens when a child gets hurt? Come here. What happens when a child gets in trouble and then gets right? Come here. I want you to think of this this picture, what God is saying, those that mourn are blessed because they're the ones that I embrace. They're the ones that I call to come close and I give a hug and say, you're mine. I actually already paid for that sin at Calvary. I'll give you victory. Thank you for finally admitting that you're broken. Thank you for finally admitting that you need me. Thank you for finally admitting that you can't do this without me. And he calls us close to himself. It's to call near. It's a warm embrace from our Heavenly Father. You're mine. I love you. Mm. God himself calls the broken to come close in order to encourage and strengthen them. He says in Isaiah, or Psalm 34 and verse 18, the Lord is nigh, is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit he says i'm i'm near to them those are the ones that i call close those are the ones that i say come on dwell with me i dwell in the high and holy place and you're welcome here because you've been broken and contrite you've been real you've been honest if we say we have no sin we make god a liar first john chapter one but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we now have the comfort of fellowship with him. We have the, the joy that is allowed to us through that, through that confession. God himself calls the broken to come close. You say, I feel so distant from God. Perhaps the matter is you've not really gotten broken about your sin that grieves your Heavenly Father. You've not gotten broken about the deceit. You've not gotten broken about the lust. You've not gotten broken about the pride that just keeps on popping up. You've not gotten broken about the bitterness. You're content to live with the unforgiveness. He says, it is the broken that I call close, the mourner I call close, and I I look at Isaiah 61 and verse number 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me. Jesus, this is prophesied and, and this is fulfilled in Jesus. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know what Jesus specializes in? To come to the brokenhearted and say, I got you. I got you. How did you enter into the kingdom of heaven? I am a sinner 
that deserves hell. I need you. There might have been tears that day. There might have been a desperation that day, a brokenness. I, 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 can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't make my own way. I've tried and I've failed and it, it doesn't work. I, I'm, Jesus, I come to you to bind up the brokenhearted he came to do. What a good God we have. It's through our brokenness that we can come close to all that God is. We come close to his presence and all that he, he gives. He's the God of all comfort. We can't know that as long as we're stiff-arming. As long as we're saying we're okay, we got it all together. We're like a little kid, I can tie my shoes, I can do this just fine. They walk two steps and the, the shoe that they just tied falls apart. I can do this. I can do this. I can ride my bike on my own. They go and skin their knee. I can do this. I got this. And he says, it is the broken that I draw close. It's the broken that they can come close to God and all that he is in his presence. Psalm 16 and verse number 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Wow. I've mentioned it multiple times because it stirs my heart that I hope, I pray, and I ask God to work in our generation. We're an exceedingly sinful nation and the church is so apathetic across our nation to our real need. It only takes a little bit of a visit in other countries to realize what they think we have, we don't have. I will never forget being in India and hearing the choir simply sing, Holy, 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 and holy is he. And I don't know if it was just the fact that those believers that were singing that faced death in their country for preaching the, the gospel that made it so sincere and real and genuine. But we're not all right. I love the fact that God made me an American citizen. Praise God, but we're not all right. Greater yet, we as believers are not all right. Jesus calls us to mourning. One of the things that intrigues me and Holy Spirit can guide us, tell us, what, to, what is good and what's not good, but one of the things that, that just blesses my heart right now to watch what's happening in this generation and down in, in Wilmore, Kentucky, is the fact that people have been broken about sin. Maybe not everything would you, would you agree with, but you know what? Revival is to come to make us right with God. So the idea that, that we would criticize people that, we might not align with all the way and say, well, God's visiting you and working in your hearts and you're confessing your sin and getting right with God and we would have a problem with that shows a problem in, right here. When I see people on their faces before God, you say, well, pastor, I hear reports. I've talked to people that have been right in the middle of that, talking about sins being confessed openly, 
people get so tired about their, their sin that they're just willing to, they want freedom from it. Hearing this spread across the, the city and people getting real and, 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 and just being prostrate on the ground seeking God. When holiness is being sought after, something's happening. Satan does not lead people to seek after God's holiness. Friends, I don't know about you. I want that. I want that for, for us. I can't make that happen, but we certainly can. And in and, and what God has said, we certainly can uh, say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be real about my sin. I don't have to continue on in this. You told me, blessed are they that mourn, that are broken about this. Uh, you're, you would come along with comfort. I want that. I want that. I find a lot of parallel in the story of the prodigal son. Why don't you turn there? Let's pull this all together. God meets broken people. God meets broken people. You and I don't get to tell God who he meets with. He meets with broken people. And the longer that we, we hold on and we say, I, I, I won't be broken, I'm not going to give myself to, to mourning over my own need, the needs that are around me, the fact is God meets broken people. We see that throughout Scripture. He's nigh to them, he's close to them, and we see that illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11, there was a certain man that had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto him his living. In other words, he says, listen, uh, dad, I want, my, I want my inheritance early. You say, what a jerk. Yeah, not really nice. I want the blessings I want all that you can give me. I want the temporal things that you... I, I want all the, the things right now. We do that with God too. Give me so I can go and on and be happy in my life. Bless me with the temporal resources so I can go on and be happy in my life. So he divided them and he goes on his way. Isn't it amazing how many times we go on our journeys through life with the blessings that God has given to us, with the, with the resources God has given to us, not even acknowledging him. So he goes on. You know the story. He goes into far country. He lives a riotous life, parties, has a grand old time, is entertained, laughing it up. Everything seems like it's going really well. Everyone thinks this, uh, this young hotshot is really successful until he runs out of money, and then he's getting a job feeding pigs pretty picturesque he doesn't have money to buy his own food he's sitting there feeding the pigs and there and it talks about in verse number uh, 15 and he fain would have filled him his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him literally tempted to start eating what he is feeding to the swine shows us how far away from god we can go 
how far away from the Heavenly Father we can go. And when he came to himself, verse 17, and when he came to himself, when he got honest with himself, how many hired servants of my father have enough bread, uh, bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, and I, I will go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Do you know what this is? Brokenness. I'm done. I've tried. I've failed. I'm a disaster. I'm going to go back to my father with my broken pieces. It says he came to himself. Do you know what? He got honest with himself. And he got honest with God, and he was about ready to get honest with his heavenly father. So he rose, he went to his father, verse 20. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What is this? This is the comfort of the heavenly father. And it wasn't that he had to be prodded. All right, uh, hey, uh, got a call from the secretary. Hey, your, your son's running up the way. Oh, wait till he comes to me. No. What happened? He drew nigh to his father, and his father drew nigh to him. He ran to him, and the Bible literally says here, he fell on his neck. He embraced him. What is this? Come. Come close. Come close. Pretty amazing. He kissed him. Verse 21, and he said unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy, no more worthy to be called thy son. I'm even giving up. I've already spent the inheritance you gave me. I am now giving up the right to even be called your biological son. What is that? Total brokenness. I have nothing. I have nothing. And I'm willing to be nothing as long as I can be close to you. Verse 22, but the father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son uh, was dead and now is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to make merry. You talk about a comforting night that night. You talk about feeling close to the father that night. It didn't happen when he was over in the swine pit. Didn't happen when he was in the far country partying. Didn't happen as long as he was arrogant and said, I can do this on my own. I can have a great life on my father's dime. I can have a great life while I'm on my way to heaven on my father's resources. I can live on my own. I can live the way I want. I'm not going to hell. I get to live the way I want. I have Christian liberty. I can do anything I want to do. And by the way, don't judge me. So many things that we get into our mindset. Here this guy comes back to his father. I'm broken. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he found the comfort of the Heavenly Father. But I want us to note something else. The other brother, the older brother, who didn't do those things, who believed right, had everything in order, his life was scheduled, Everything was put together. Would you notice what he had to say about this? Now, his elder brother, his elder son, was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, verse 26, and he called one of the servants and asked him, what does, this, uh, what does uh, these things me uh, meant? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Well, praise the Lord, my brothers come home. You're biblically literate enough to know that the story isn't that way. 
Hmm. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Do you know that there will be people that will miss out on the comfort of God? There will be God's people who miss out on the comfort that the Father alone can give because they have not, they're all put together, they won't come to a place of brokenness. They look all put together, they've never strayed that far before. They've never done those things. They, they, they have everything just kind of right in a row and they look like a model Christian, but they've never become broken about their own sin. And the real sad part of this story is not that the brother went off, it's that there was someone who was all put together that never got broken and never experienced the true comfort of the Father. Though he was in the same locality, though he stayed in the same city, this night he wouldn't even go into the, into the celebration where his father was, and his father comes out and entreats him to come in. Nope, there's no brokenness there. Why? Why do I say that? Because verse 29, he answered his father and said, Lo, this many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. You can be in an independent Baptist church and have that attitude. I got it all together. Friend, you will never know the blessing of the beatitude. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted until we come to a place of brokenness. Until we say, I'm done. I'm done. I've wrestled with this sin, and I'm done. I don't care who I have to talk to. I don't care who I have to get accountable with. I will take care of it. I'm done. And it is in that moment of brokenness that you'll find the comfort of the Father. But here we have the story of the, the prodigal. He found comfort in his brokenness. The older brother did. And he goes off the pages of Scripture that way. He goes, you never gave me a, a, a kid. You, you, never, you never gave me a party so that I could make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots and, and has killed him, the, the fatted calf, and, and has said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Talk about the closeness that is there. You're with me. And it was meat that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is, is found. Listen, he's saying, listen, I want you to realize you, you have access to this. But it's not going to happen as long as you're stiff-arming me. You think you're all together. He goes off the pages of Scripture, never coming into the true comfort that his father could give him, that he did give to the prodigal son that returned. Satan will tempt you to think there's blessing and just holding on and just appearing to others that you have it all put together. And your Savior is saying, blessed are they that mourn. Those are the ones that are going to be comforted. Friends, how I invite us this morning to experience that, to run to God in prayer. Sorry. I've tried, I've failed, I'm done. Here I am, the broken mess that I am. I just want you. I don't even have to be called your son anymore, I just want you. I just want to be back with you. Just want to be with you.
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And Father, we ask that you would help us. You said that this mourning was something that I choose to do. I confess in my own heart, I've not mourned nearly enough over my needs before you. Lord, this morning I'm asking that you would help us to apply this beatitude into our lives. Help us, we ask. I want to encourage you to find a place to pray this morning. Here at the altar, let's stand. Find a place to pray. Talk to the Lord this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.